0: Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast.
1: Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflutes both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. We are on to episode 36 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. Uh, plenty to get to with the Bears. Also, some national football talk as well with Matt Verderam from Fansided. He's been on before, does a great job covering the NFL. We'll take a deep dive on the Bears as OTAs continue. Uh, we'll talk about this offensive line for the Chicago Bears. Where will Tevin Jenkins play? What about Jalen Johnson, who was practicing with the second stringers the other day, when well, many believe he's a clear-cut starting quarterback, a number 1 cornerback, uh, in the NFL, some some updates there. Uh, Matt Eberflus talked about that and says, don't worry about it too much. It's not uh, a big deal. But Matt and I get into some offseason moves for the Bears. And if we think they've done enough for Justin Fields, what about Roquan Smith? Is a contract extension coming? Also got into some other stuff around the league, some way too early contenders for the upcoming NFL season. Matt and I started getting a little giddy thinking about the NFL up, uh, season and how many great teams there are across the league, not so much our Bears, um, but they're a work in progress. So we get into that, even a little bit of Mitch Trubisky talk. That's on episode 36 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's my conversation with Matt Vertoram. Now joining me on the podcast is Matt Vertoram from Fan Sided. He covers the NFL, does it very well. Matt's been on the podcast uh, plenty of times before. Matt, appreciate you checking in. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well. How are
1: you? Doing well. Let's dive into some bear stuff uh, right away. The... Uh... The narrative this offseason, and look, my last podcast I did here, I did the first five minutes, was just kind of a solo rant about how I don't think the Bears have done enough personnel-wise in helping Justin Fields. So that gets bounced around quite a bit, and then some people kind of push back on it and say, well, you know, Ryan Poles is is stuck with the salary cap situation and this and that. Um, Personally, I don't think personnel-wise they've done enough to help Justin Fields. The situation with the salary cap is what it is. If Justin Fields is going to have a lot of success, it's going to be because of his raw talent and hopefully because of the new scheme they're putting in place with Luke Getze. But how would you evaluate the Bears' offseason so far?
0: I think they've done a good job of keeping the books clean for next year and, and allowing themselves the opportunity to rebuild somewhat quickly. Uh, obviously didn't have a first-round pick this year. That was part of the price they paid to get Justin Fields. That being said, I think it's a hard argument to make that Ryan Poles and that front office did enough around him uh enough front field to, to feel good going into this season. Look, they didn't. Um and yeah, okay, Caps space fine. But they, they could have made a, a few moves. And even if it was a short term moves, you know if there's moves where you say, okay, it's a little bit of a band aid, it's a one year thing. Um you know, a guy like Jarvis Landry, for example. You know, Jarvis Landry got one year at six million bucks, up to six million bucks. The Bears couldn't beat that out. They couldn't pay him a little bit more. You know, they probably would have had to, by the way, because Landry ended up going back to Louisiana, went to LSU, the Saints are a playoff contender. But a guy like that, like, that's the kind of move I'm talking about. Okay, yeah, you're not going to sign him for five years, but it gives Justin Fields some support now. I think they should have invested in finding a way to build an offensive line. And, look, this is the NFL where you can structure contracts in certain ways. There's no reason the Bears – couldn't have gone out and signed an offensive lineman or two and had the contract backloaded. So the idea that they're just so hamstrung that there's no possible way they could have built around Justin Fields is nonsense. The Saints have, have been turning the cap into magic for a decade. Now, I don't think that the Bears should become Mickey Loomis and the Saints, but I do think that Justin Fields has to be internally thinking to himself I have nothing around me. I have Darnell Mooney. I have a decent running back room, and beyond that, I've got a whole litany of really big questions.
1: Yeah, and a big question is the offensive line. And, Matt, as you know, over the past couple of years with this Chicago Bears team, the offensive line has been bad, flat-out bad. And you have a potential franchise quarterback here in Justin Fields. That would be a a major priority if I were the general manager of the Bears. Now, Lucas Patrick is going to take over at center and – when that's your kind of your big splashy move on the offensive line, doesn't get you overly excited. But here we are as OTAs are ongoing. And, look, I, I still think there's a good possibility the Bears add a veteran right guard maybe, um, maybe a veteran tackle. But they don't even know what the offensive line looks like right now. I mean, Tevin Jenkins talked at OTAs this week, and he's like, well, I think I'll be right tackle. I'd prefer to be right tackle. And they still don't know. And look, I think the the, the argument I, somebody made this that they're intentionally neglecting Justin Fields, which I I think is absurd. I mean, to to say that to claim they're intentionally neglecting building around Justin Fields to maybe somewhere bring in their own guy is insane. Um, I don't buy into that. But there's a difference between being patient and n- not doing enough to help a guy that we all think can be really good in Justin Fields. I'm very nervous about the way this offensive depth chart looks right now.
0: Yeah, and the, the the person who made that argument is a, a really good friend of mine. So I won't oh, say okay. Name, well, no, I, nothing
1: I, personal here, but I, I just don't no, necessarily but I, but buy but into it.
0: I agree. I actually, I should told him that I think it's crazy that argument. I I, <laughs> I don't agree. With that. I think now I don't think there's any kind of intention like, hey, he's going to be terrible. We're going to win three games with the draft from that. I mean, if that's the case, then this one office is doomed to failure anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't agree with that. And I and I will say this: I think. I think that the Bears are trying to get through this year, and then they're trying to say, hey, look, we're going to have an ungodly amount of capsaicin, picks next year. But in the NFL, you can't go into a season where your offensive line's terrible and just think, well, that's okay. We can play for next year. Well, Justin Fields is going to get the crap kicked out of him for 17 games. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, you can talk about playing the quick game and running the ball. Okay, fine. But, A, he's still going to get hit. B, you're not going to develop him because he's going to be running for his life. And I, I don't know that there's any real situation other than just getting a miracle where the Bears are going to be able to protect him in a meaningful way. I mean, Kevin Jenkins, we'll see. You know, a lot of this rookie year was racked by a back injury. We'll see what happens. Maybe he can come in and play a wall-right tackle. Cody White is a very good player. Lucas Patrick is a, a, a pro. He's a decent mm-hmm. enough player. But they've got they've got issues they've got to fix. And, again, I, that's where I don't blame them for not spending big money in a lot of places. They should have spent some money on the offensive line. That should have been a priority. It should have been a priority in the draft. They should have gotten, especially on the interior, quality players in the second and third round on of the offensive line. They didn't spend any there. And I, I've heard all the arguments of why they took you know, Quan Brisker in the second round, why he went defensive with both picks. And I think Brisker could be a really good player, but your whole focus right now has to be doing everything you can to find out how good of a player Justin Fields can yes. be. And if you're not doing that, then there's no point. Everything else is a waste of time until you find out what that kid can be and then supporting him and becoming that.
1: Well, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I feel. And even a good chunk of last year when Fields was the starter, and Matt Nagy never bought into it. His stubbornness always led him the path. Um, he went, which was which was a really bad offense and not helping Justin Fields and all of that. But there, there was a good chunk of last year where I just kept saying, like, this is all about Justin Fields at this point. Give it up, guys. I know you're trying to scrap together a few wins and maybe save your jobs. But that, that was a good chunk of last year was all about Justin Fields. This season is all about Justin Fields. And there's obviously a million pieces that go into building a legitimate NFL roster, and I I do kind of understand where Ryan Poles is going with the whole culture change and bringing in his guys. It wasn't working with the old crew. Get sure get as many of your sixth and seventh rounders as you want in there, Ryan Poles. If if this year's about the culture change. Um, And not to just continue to harp on it, because we can talk about this all day. I just, you know, Darnell Mooney is probably a two at best in a really, really good offense, and that's probably just because of his size. It's yeah. no knock against, against his skill or anything like that. Uh, he's a really good receiver. After that, Matt, it's a lot of unproven three, four, five type receivers around him.
0: No, it's a bunch of guys. I mean, look, I, I am somebody who... Grew up a Chiefs fan and have, have always played close attention to how I got in the business. Like, that came up covering them a billion different ways. Um, you know, still doing the Chiefs podcast. Is even though I cover the whole league. And I like Byron Pringle. The reason i bring it up is Byron Pringle. Like he he is a pro, but at the same point, I think realistically, he's like a third or fourth receiver on a decent team. I mean, he can help. He, he, I'll say that he can catch the ball good route runner, dependable. So I actually like that signing for them, although the offseason hasn't been too kind, Byron Pringle, but I I do think that he will go in there and help, but he's not a guy who's going to go in there and have a thousand yards. Um, they, you know, look, they, they needed to find weapons to put around Darnell Mooney, because I, I think Mooney is a good player. He is a, mm-hmm. He's a good solid number two. I feel that way, even on a really good team. But You can't go from last year where the offense stunk and couldn't do anything, and then lose Allen Robinson, and upgrade nowhere else, and just say that's good. We're we're set. That's that's a losing mentality. It's a losing way to go. And I actually, I've seen a handful of Bears fans on Twitter say, "Well, look, you know the." The Packers, they didn't put anything right now. Why I yeah. You don't have to. It's not
1: desperation mode for Green Bay. I'm not saying it is for the Bears, but you have Justin Fields entering his second crucial year. Like, give him some guys to work with, man.
0: Yeah, do Aaron know. Rodgers is a great running game and a great offensive line and a great head coach, and he's been in the league for twenty years. He'll, he'll figure it out a little bit more than a than a kid who's what, six starts, seven starts? I mean it's it's unfair to expect somebody that young to come in and just like it is the rare guy who can come into the league, I don't care how good he is, and be behind a crappy offensive line and do nothing. I mean, think about recent quarterbacks. Justin Herbert came in. He was behind a terrible offensive line. He is the rare exception. He was phenomenal even as a rookie. They won seven games. Burrow, too. he was really good. But, right. And I was just going to say, and Burrow, but there's one caveat of both because they had incredible weapons around him. I mean, both those guys had all kinds of talent around them. However, Burrow had had a season-ending knee injury as a rookie. Then he came back, and last year, listen—they give the Bengals all the credit in the world. I don't think they're a fluke. I think they're a really good team. That team, everything had to go perfectly right, other than the fact that they couldn't block for them to win games. The Chargers—they got Herbert killed this rookie year, but he played well with all the weaponry. Then they went out and they brought in an all-pro center in Corey Linsley. They spent a first-round pick over Rashawn Slater at left tackle. They went out and got Matt Filer. This offseason, went back out. First round, Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College. They invested heavily. If you're going to invest the the Chiefs around Mahomes, they were okay his first couple years on the offensive line, better on the outside than the inside. Then he gets killed the Super Bowl against Tampa because he can't block anybody. They had a million injuries. Last year... Brett Veach spent the entire offseason just going out and rebuilding that offensive line. the only thing that matters to that. Um, I think that's the next step for the Bears here, even more so than the weapons. You've got to find an offensive line that gives Fields two and a half, three seconds of feeling comfortable in the pocket.
1: Yeah, and I've said this, like, if, if... – they better really, really, really believe the scheme that Luke Getzey is bringing to Chicago is what's going to propel and help Justin Fields because the personnel isn't there. Going back to the Bears draft picks, Gordon and Brisker, their are top two. The good news is they probably drafted two week one starters with their first two picks. Now, that's exciting. Also tells you about how many holes were in this roster when you needed to draft two starting defensive backs with your first two picks, and as much as Ryan Poles went top talent, I mean, you don't, You probably go offense if you don't have those glaring holes on the defensive side of things, but um, I know you touched on it a little bit, but what what was your impressions of Ryan Pohl's first draft for the Bears?
0: I thought the draft, look, I would have liked for them to have landed some help for field earlier than they did. I mean, I I, I hear Bella Jones Jr., with all due respect, he's 25 years old and a mid-round pick, Uh, but... I, I like the talent. I think Gordon is is going to be a good player. I think Brickrack is going to be a very good player. I like him a lot. I thought he was a, a, a nice find, a good steal. I thought I wouldn't have been shocked if he went in the very early portion of the second round. Um, so, I I did like that. I liked that later in the draft. They had a lot of those picks. And listen, I know those 6th and 7th rounders and history says you're probably not going to find the guy you know that's going to go out and be an all-pro. But if you're the Bears, it's if four or three or four of those kids turn into guys who are core special teamers, maybe you find two that can start and be decent players who are in a second contract, that's a huge win. And I thought the Bears did take some guys who are high upside guys later in the draft. Um, you know, it's always hard to identify, oh, it's going to be this guy. I mean, if you knew that, they probably wouldn't have been a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, but I did like that they at least later in the draft took a lot of offensive linemen. Took a few receivers. That I mean, that's how look, if you're not gonna draft the guy, early, and again, I know they didn't have a first round pick, so they were a little hamstrung in that regard. Um, that's how you're gonna maybe get lucky and say hey, look, you know what, we found a guard. Um, you know, we found a guy who we feel like can play long term. Maybe you find a swing tackle. None of that's gonna make you a Super Bowl contender this year, but it does help to fill the roster out a little bit. So maybe next year you'll look and go, okay, you know what? We still need a lot of impact players, but we feel really good about these five spots that we didn't feel good about last year. That's part of team building. This is a long build here for the Bears. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, I thought, other than the fact that I would have liked to have seen them address the offense quickly in the draft, I did think they took some good players, uh, Brisker being my favorite, and I and I think they found some, some potential guys who can be good depth, and maybe even on a team like the Bears where they're going to plug in a lot of young guys, maybe even find a couple guys who end up starting and becoming nice players for them.
1: So you cover the entire NFL. You know, oftentimes fans of teams locally, you're kind of just focused on your own team. Maybe you don't pay very close attention to other players around the league, or maybe you just don't see them play that often. Um Roquan Swift, look, if you're a linebacker and you come here to Chicago and you play really well in your early few years after your draft, people get excited. It's a huge history of linebackers in this town. Sure. Um, the reason I'm laying all that out is because I'm just curious. Like, I think Roquan's a very good linebacker. You probably have a better perspective watching more of the teams and specifically more players individually. Um, how good do you think Roquan Smith is? Like where would you put him in the tiers of linebackers? Because I'm asking because there's obviously talks about a contract extension for Roquan
0: Smith. Yeah. No, I think it's a good question. It's an interesting one. He he's certainly in the upper echelon of linebackers in the league. I mean, he's a guy who look in this day and age, you gotta be able to run, gotta have some range, uh you know, like being able to you know bring up blitz. even you know, not always even sacking the quarterback, but being able to get some pressure, and there is an art form to that. I think sometimes, uh, you know, that gets that gets overlooked. It's always about, well, did the guy get a sack? Well, especially as a linebacker when you're coming from a further distance, uh, you know, that can that can be sometimes. Uh, I think you know, a, a pressure can may not be quite as good as a sack, but uh, damn close. And with with Smith, he's always been a good boy. He, I mean, he's a guy throughout his career, uh, you know, 14 sacks in four years. He gets a ton of tackles for loss. I look at him and say, he—he's not Darius Leonard, he's not Fred Warner, um, but I would put him right on that next year. I think he's definitely deserving of a contract right below them. You know, a, a contract where uh, yeah, he gets five years and three of the years are essentially guaranteed. I think when you look at him, he does everything you want. You know, he can shoot a gap, he can blitz, he can. He can roam. He can cover some. Um, you, it's hard to find that level of guy. Now it'll be an interesting negotiation because it's, as good as he is, I, think he's, I agree. I think he's excellent. He has never been a Pro Bowler. Which you'd say, how has he never been a Pro Bowler? He's never been a first team All Pro. He's twice been a second team All Pro. So it's kind of a weird, mm-hmm. um, kind of a weird. That I normally think he'd be in a Pro Bowl. Do the Bears try to hold this thing up a little bit by saying, hey, listen, we love you, but you've never made a Pro Bowl. You've never been a first-team All-Pro. I mean, that kind of stuff does happen when teams negotiate with players and with their agents. And for example, Darius Leonard, he got five years, $99 million, $52.5 million guaranteed. That was last summer that was in August. I don't think Roquan Smith gets that. I think the term is about right. I could see him maybe getting five and eighty five, five and ninety, and you know what? That's you know, that's gonna be the going rate because the cap boys goes up. I think for Smith, he's the centerpiece of your defense. I and you can make an argument as best years are ahead of him. I, I put him right below that that real top top tier. I'll ask
1: you about one bears one more Bears related question about a specific player, and I got a couple national uh questions for you and then I'll let you go. But Um, I don't know how closely you've been following OTAs for Bears this week, but uh, Jalen Johnson, who I think is a stud, and I think he's a good quality cornerback, and he's obviously going to be playing in a different defensive scheme. Uh, Matt Eberflus hasn't that's, he hasn't said anything bad about Jalen Johnson by any means, but he hasn't exactly been glowing about Jalen Johnson. He says, you know, I still need to see more, and I need to evaluate, and this and that. And actually this week Jalen Johnson was getting some reps with the twos, which was kind of surprising, but Iberflue said don't look into it too much. It's conditioning, it's things like that. But how do you view Jalen Johnson uh, of the Bears as a cornerback?
0: I think he's very um, no, a cornerback. A guy who only two years into his career – uh, but he's been somebody who, when he's been on the field, I know he's missed a few games, uh, is someone who he's got the potential to be a number one corner. Now, whether or not he ends up on a, on a really good defense being a number one corner or he's a top tier number two, um, you know, you maybe make that argument. But for as young as he is, the talent's clearly there. Maybe, like, he's be a little bit more of a ball hawk, only has one pick in two years. But that. Sometimes will happen when the other teams can say look you know that guy could be it but let's avoid him a little bit here let's try to move our receivers around um, you know it, it's harder than ever with the way the rules are now to be a ball hawk. there are very few corners we'll put up a ton of picks you know guys like a Marcus Peters uh, but I think I think Jalen Johnson is somebody who if, if you're ever you've got to think at least I think you would you think he he's a big piece going forward Um he should be one of the leaders of your secondary. I don't know what the future holds for Eddie Jackson. Uh, obviously, you're bringing in a couple of guys like Gordon Brisker, who are rookies. Who, you know, it's it's weird to say that Johnson, who's going to be in his age 23 season, should be out there being a leader. But he's kind of be. I think he's kind of forced to be. So, um, I I believe that he's somebody who you build your secondary around them. I don't know that he's that, but is he someone who should be a nice crucial piece going forward. Somebody you look at and say, hey, that guy could be here for eight, nine years. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, so um, I am a little bit surprised with that. I know for uh, us over at like Mark Carman, Joel Carm, he's been there uh, I think every day. He's been at Bears OTA. So he's, he's in trend. Uh, I'll have to ask him his thoughts on everything. But, um, I, yeah, I think Jalen Johnson's been one of their better performers the last two years, and I, I don't see any reason why it won't get better.
1: I love Carm. He texted me yesterday, says he forgot his he grabbed the wrong laptop, wasn't able to send me the audio from
0: from Alice
1: all yesterday. I love that man so That's much. Yeah. Um he helped me out. He he got the job done as always. Um all right, two quick questions. One, what's the latest on our old pal, Mitch Trubisky? Heads to Pittsburgh, they draft a quarterback, Mason Rudolph's like, ah, I think I still got a shot to start here. Um, what is the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh?
0: Mason Rudolph doesn't have a shot to start there. I, know. I, so, I just saw a headline. I,
1: I'm not going to lie. I didn't read the whole article. I just saw the headline and the quote from Mason Rudolph.
0: I didn't see the headline, the quote, or the article, and it doesn't matter because he's not going <laughs> to start there. Uh, they, if they were going to start him, they wouldn't have signed Trubisky and then drafted the first-round quarterback. So I, I hate to be the one that breaks the news, to Mason, he's not starting. Um, look, I think it's a, a, a situation where if Trubisky has a good camp, good off season, good good preseason He's probably in line to start. I don't. I don't know that he's going to hold the job the whole year. And if Pickett comes in and is just fantastic, then maybe it's a deal where they just say, "Look, you know what? We're going to roll with Kenny Pickett." Um, but Trubisky and I got to be honest. I found this bizarre, and I remember talking to a lot of people in Indianapolis during the combine about this. Like, there's this weird thing this off season where somehow he had like a ton of value. Like a lot of people in the league were talking about him, like he was going to be somebody who was a big signing. And I, I mean, I I watched a lot of Mitchell Trubisky in his time with the Bears. I I don't see it. I don't understand why. I listen. I'm not saying there's no no redeeming quality that he shouldn't be an NFL quarterback. I think he's going to have a pretty long career in the NFL. But I don't I don't see him as a guy who, if you're Pittsburgh, you're really excited about the that you really feel like this, this is going to be somebody um, who's here for the long haul. And I think that that opinion is. Is supported by the fact they went out and drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. So um, I think it's a legitimate battle. If Trubisky plays well, uh, I could see Mike Tomlin sitting there and saying, "Hey, look, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna give you a, a month, two months, um, and see how it goes. And if we're winning, stick stick with you. If not, maybe Pickett jumps in, or even if we're winning, but we're winning every game thirteen to ten, maybe we go the other way. It's an interesting situation with them because their offensive line is also terrible." It is one of the worst offensive lines in football. And neither Trubisky nor Pickett is the most mobile guy. Trubisky is more mobile than he gets credit for. But mm-hmm. um, let's face it, if you're Pittsburgh, you'd rather he takes those hits than Pickett. So um, it is fascinating because Tomlin's never had a young quarterback to have to work in. I mean, it's, it's never been a problem for him since he's been there. Uh, but I, I would think that Trubisky, if he, if he performs decently in the summer, probably starts as the starting quarterback, and then at some point gives way to pick
1: it. Hearing Matt Eberflus talk about the way Justin Fields throws the deep ball this week, I was like, yes, this is what we we have not had a quarterback in Chicago that could throw a deep ball in basically yeah. forever. Uh, just real quick, this isn't really a question, but I just am always excited for football season. And Just kind of looking at the AFC and some other teams, I know we've got a long way to go, Matt, but I can't wait for a football season. I think it's going to be a, a great season because I, I, you can identify multiple teams that have enough talent to win a Super Bowl. I know we're getting way ahead of things here. I'm just getting my my football fandom on here, Matt, and I know you love football. I'm just like, man, you look around the league, there, there are some legitimate contenders all around.
0: There are. And you know, it's funny. I, look, I'm i I'm right there with you, Kevin. I, I absolutely love the NFL. It's it, Thank God for it, or I'd actually have to work. <laughs> um, but you know, when the schedule release came out, I'm insane enough that I picked every single regular season game, went all the way through the Super Bowl, um, and maybe that's some kind of a, of an illness. But I uh, <laughs> I agree. It was you know I've done that exercise now It's the fifth year I've done it, and I found it really difficult, especially in the AFC, because there's just so many teams that you look at. And say, okay, best case scenario for them, they could be in the conference title game. They could be going to the Super Bowl. I mean, they're you know, I can make a case for at least seven or eight teams in the AFC that if everything went well, health, maybe a, you know, an X factor or two goes. Their Look way. out for
1: Baltimore too, right? I mean, they have an MVP quarterback. Oh, yeah. They had a great offseason, a great draft, at least you know on paper. And I think a lot of people would agree. I, I guess the point is what you're saying. It's like. You could you could make a legitimate case for a lot of these teams, but it's uh, I I just uh, I'm I'm very I know we're in the thick of baseball here. I'm just always kind of ready for football season. It's always uh, well, <laughs> go ahead, man. As uh
0: no, as, as an Oakland A's fan, I'm not in the thick of anything with baseball. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear uh, you. It's, uh, baseball. Well, baseball season ended on opening day, <laughs> but I. I, you know what? No, really, the, I mean, the Ravens are a great pick, by the way. I think I had them winning 12 games. They're really good. Yeah. They're really – that team defensively is going to be a bear to deal with. And look, going with the whole West all those teams are really good. I will say this, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. I think the Bills are the best team in football. Um, I, I think if it, it's kind of not, – not a now or never year for them, but it's really lined up. Like, at this point, if they can't win it this year – I think you're going to fair, or otherwise you're going to start hearing those questions like, is Dermot the guy, is Allen going to be the next Dan Marino, so on and so forth. Um, but I think Kansas City is a tick behind them. I think the Chargers are ultra-talented. Now, the Chargers have to win something that matters before I can just put them in the Super Bowl, but they're really talented. Denver's fascinating. Mm-hmm. The Browns are a real wild card. I mean, you don't even know how many games Rashawn Watson's going to play. Patriots will probably
1: is. win ten games, you know, or nine yeah, I mean, games, whatever. You know, they'll still be around. They'll them. be a pesky team.
0: You know, then you get to like a team like Indianapolis, where you look at them and go, I don't love the weapons. You know, Johnson Taylor is great. Michael Pittman's good, but Matt Ryan is a huge upgrade. You know, they're well coached. They have a good defense. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't think. But could they win ten eleven games and be a real problem for somebody in the playoffs? Sure. Denver is another team. I will be the first one to admit I, I don't know what to make of Denver. Of all the teams in the league, they're probably the team that's the hardest time figuring out what I think of. I could see them winning twelve games and being in the AFC championship game. I could also see them winning eight. But you know and then we didn't even talk of all that. I didn't even mention the last year's number one seed in the AFC in Tennessee, who I don't even know that they're gonna be five hundred this year. And in Cincinnati, going to the Super Bowl, I do not think it's a fluke. I know there are some people who think that team's going to fall apart. I do not think that. Um, I think they're very good. So, you look at the AFC. There are going to be some really good teams that don't even make the playoffs, even though we've expanded the format. Um, I just think it's so far different from the NFC where you look at it and go, okay, well, it's Tampa, it's Green Bay, it's the Rams. And then it's, okay, who's the next team? Is it San Francisco with the quarterback situation? Is it Philly, who I'd argue had made the best offseason of any team in football? Is it Dallas, who's talented but always seems to be held back by its own issues? Um, I agree with you. I think this year there are a lot of teams that are legitimately going to be breaking training camp thinking, We can win. We can can make a huge run this
1: year. He's Matt Vertoram, covers the NFL, does a great job doing it for fan-sided. Read his stuff, watch his stuff, follow him on Twitter. Matt, thanks a bunch for your time, man. No problem. And that's going to do it for episode 36 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Ernie Scat and Brian Alzheimer for their help producing the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Matt for joining me. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.